0: Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. And our Father, we ask that you would give us good news. Give us gospel. Put it in our hearts. Transform our minds. May we live for you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the passage on the Good Shepherd is one that conjures up all kinds of really cute imagery. And uh, Solomon Warner's wonderful painting of Jesus with with the sheep and holding a holding a lamb and uh, we've we've seen those pictures since we were little kids in Sunday school and we we love them but it's it's not really what this passage is about it is it is that but this passage is the gospel writer John setting up a really dramatic contrast between Jesus has the good shepherd and then the bad shepherds that are so much a part of their life. This passage follows the story of the healing of the the young blind man and and how they couldn't believe that that he had really been healed, that, that he was really born blind. And after Jesus healed him, because it was on a Saturday, they wanted to kill him. So this story that Jesus employs about the good shepherd is, is a contrast to those who were the bad shepherds of the people. And so this is the, this is the persistent issue that we, we have, in not just then, but in the history of the church. Good pastors, bad pastors. Good leadership, bad leadership. The church at its best and the church at its worst. And and so Jesus gives us a way of understanding that that the the work of the good shepherd is to save life and to make life as full as it possibly can be for for his children. The work of the bad shepherd is the destruction of life. Hear the word of God as it comes to us from the Gospel of John. Truly I say to you, he who does not enter by the sheepfold, by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. They know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the shepherd. This figure Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying. So Jesus again said to them, Truly I tell you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not heed them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and destroy and kill. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep." God added his understanding to this this hearing of his word. So Jesus sets up this contrast coming off of this awful experience with the denominational authorities of the temple. And their behavior in view of the disciples allows for Jesus to set up this contrast. And and he points out that these are those who are who are climbing over or breaking in. They are not coming in through the the passageway that the Lord our God has provided. And so what they are doing is, is damage. They are hurting. They are bad. They're evil. Now shepherding is a big part of Jewish history all starts with the story of, of a wandering Aramean. A wandering Aramean was my father. Shepherds wander. They move from, from place to place. And, and even when they had established a homeland in, in Canaan, in the Promised Land, this, this history, this metaphor of the shepherd always stayed alive, even though they became farmers. So farming was one thing, but farming entailed not doing or not moving. was staying in one place. But shepherding involved moving and following, the shepherd leading and the sheep following. And the shepherd in the Hebrew mind was following God. So how can we follow if we're not moving? So the, the active understanding of the the shepherd metaphor was very much alive with the Jewish people and and they knew their sheep they knew sheep were dumb but they also knew somehow the sheep would know the shepherd's voice shepherd would call and the sheep would come and so there was a a relationship that was set up between the shepherd and the sheep and the good shepherd takes care of the sheep, lays down his life for the sheep. In my neighborhood, I, I ride around, like it's a full mile around, so I, I ride around three, four, five times, depending on how I feel at the time, or if it's too warm out or too cold out. And there's one, there's an SUV in, uh, on the far side of the neighborhood, and on the back of it says, lions, not sheep. And I don't know what that means. I've been meaning to run into the guy and find out. But um, it's probably a continuation of the notion of, oh, they're, they're, they're sheep. That kind of talk that goes on. But uh, yeah, <clears throat> we're we're lions. <laughs> we're tough. Um, <clears throat> but it's it's a it's a an, An understanding or a notion that persists to this day that somehow being a sheep involves some sort of an ignorance and blind following. And I don't know, I I don't use that language myself of church people. Every now and then I have some people say, well, you're a sheep this, you know, I don't use that language because I know you. (laughs) You are not dumb. Uh, You are not simply blind followers. That's just not the way church people are. And uh, church people are wildly independent and courageous people. Hardly, hardly a usable metaphor in relationship to the church. But Jesus points out to them his love for the sheep is such that he protects them he when he says that he is the door he is the gate himself that's actually referencing a real world reality of that time because in some settings the shepherd himself would lay down in front of the opening of the sheepfold and and he would monitor those who came in and those who did not come in but he points out that a real shepherd will die for his sheep. That he will die for them. The false shepherds are those who are going to use and abuse because the people exist for their sake. The people exist, the disciples are there for their benefit, not not the leader in present there for them, but them there for them. Them there for the leader. And this is, this is a bad shepherd. Who looks at people simply as instruments of his own will. And this is the, the bad shepherding that exists in the church. This is the bad shepherding that exists in in government this is the bad shepherd that exists in corporate life this is the bad shepherding that exists in so many ways academic life etc any organizational life when the leader views others as mere instrument mere instruments to their advancement I've shared with you before about a um, conversation I was involved with a zoom conversation. That involved um, uh, St. Matthew's house. We were looking for a search firm and doing the interviewing and going around. There were three of us on the search committee: myself and and a lawyer over here on Fifth Avenue, and then a retired gentleman who used to work at Kmart. And when he introduced himself to this search firm, he said, "Yeah, I well, I you know I did some I did some greeting at at Kmart." Mike Duke. He was the CEO. Of Kmart and he said to me he said of all the things that I did I loved working among the people I want I love being on the floor and he said I would be incognito they would have no idea who I was and I would just move along uh, around with the people and thank them and customers I'd thank them well you get the point He was a good shepherd and and he did what he needed to do as a, a leader of, of that organization. Okay, I can't, not, I can't not reference the bad shepherding that's going on in Russia. So the, the patriarch, Kirill believes that Ukraine is part of what's called the Ruski Mir, the Russian world. Now, he's head of the Russian Orthodox Church. He reads this, obviously not in English, but in Russian. Same Bible. And he, at some point, also grew up in Sunday school. And he probably was in a Sunday school room with pictures of Noah's Ark and all of that on the, on the wall in the nursery. Or at least because he was young during the Soviet years, he was being taught in secret. Where does he get this? Where does he get the idea that four days after Ukraine invaded, he says... The war in Ukraine had been caused by dark and hostile exterior, external powers, the forces of evil, and the attacks of the evil one. That's what he was speaking of, of in reference to Ukraine. Not of what Putin was doing, but somehow that the entire invasion was the cause of external evil forces, blasphemy that undercuts the Orthodox Church of Ukraine, and that patriarch who has called out to the world for help. There is a persistence about evil. As I've already mentioned and when evil is associated with power and it is allowed to do the kind of destruction and pain and hurt and dislocation of people to what end for his own purposes to feed his desire to be the unifier of Russia, reestablish the Soviet empire, whatever it is that is driving him. And then he's got the patriarch egging him on. And that is causing destruction and death. By definition, Jesus says that is a bad shepherd. The good shepherd Brings life. And in our own domestic life, if we use that as a hermeneutic to understand what constitutes a good shepherd and what constitutes a bad shepherd, the good shepherds give rise to life, the, reaffir- the reaffirmation of life, the giving of life, the comforting of people when they are struggling with life. Bad shepherds take life. had shepherds reinforce those values that would, would undermine the full sanctity of the human creation. There's a great mystery about us. Obviously, we, we all know about Darwin and evolution and all that sort of thing. But one of the things that, that is so odd is that some of the most ancient representations we have of human beings is not like it shows in Space Odyssey 2001, weaponry. Some of the oldest representations that we have of the human species is art in those caves. Pictures of cows and deer. Some have hands. Some speculate that this may actually have been a place where, where children were brought and, and taught in safety. But the reality of the human person, the reality of, of, of you and me, is that, is that we have the image God, of God within us. That We have been created in His image and likeness, and so we have to protect life and, and affirm life. And it's only under extreme circumstances that we take life. And we do take life. But it's never just without deep emotional and morals work to get us there. And so these caves go in and hold up the flashlight. And you see what they did with red ochre on the rock. The most primitive, supposedly primitive. Well we see in modern life far more brutality. The ancients were not the brutes. We have the brutes among us. So that being the case, I'm not saying anything that we don't know. But I think it's important that we acknowledge and recognize the reality of evil in the world. And evil is a spiritual term. It runs far deeper than language of, oh, well, he's sick. If it's a psychological issue, then we can supposedly deal with that with our our therapeutic tools. But there are certain things that that are far deeper than mere psychological, psychiatric issues. And that constitutes the reality of evil. It wasn't naive, naivete when Martin Luther wrote, and though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, We will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. It is appropriate to use the language of good and of evil. And we are not the judge of that, but we must be discerning, lest we follow as sheep the wrong shepherd. C.S. Lewis, in in the last battle, the last of his Chronicles of Narnia, which is a children's book, a children's series. He wrote them for his grandkids. He tells about Aslan the lion, who is a representative of Christ, and how Aslan is, on the last battle, on the last day, he has all of the people and the animals of Narnia coming in. And there's one who is representing the other side. And Aslan the Lion has has this exchange with him. I overcame my fear and questioned the glorious one and said, Lord, is it then true that thou and Tash, the enemy, are one? The lion growled so that the earth shook, and he said, It is false, not because he and I are one, but because we are opposites. I take to me the services which thou hast done to him. A sincere follower of Tash, Aslan is taking to himself. For I and he are of such different kinds that no service which is vile can be done to me and none which is not vile can be done to him. Therefore if any man swear by tash and keep his oath for the oath's sake it is by me that he has truly sworn. And though though he he know it not and it is I who reward him and if any man do a cruelty in my name then though he Says the name Aslan, it is Tash whom he serves, and by Tash his deed is accepted. Dost thou understand, child? I said, Lord, though, Lord, thou knowest how much I understand, yet I have been seeking Tash all my days. Beloved, said the glorious one, unless thou desire, unless thy desire had been for me thou wouldst not have sought so long and so truly. For all find what they truly seek. And so even, even those who are deceived and with devotion follow a false shepherd, even though they may be deceived, their dedication in and of itself, their their loyalty, their extreme effort at doing the right thing is not service to the enemy, it's ultimately service to God. That's why we do not judge. That's why it's not for us to judge. But it is for us to discern, to ensure that we are following the will of God. And that's something I'd say over a lunch table not just from a pulpit, but that we're following God's lead with our lives. We're all sinners. We're all up. None of us can go the distance ourselves. We need the Lord, we need one another. We need, we need to know that there are good and godly people all over the planet with whom we are one. And we need to know that there is a great cloud of witnesses that await our faithful joining. Let's pray together. Lord, the reality is there's so, so much of life that we just don't get. We think we do, and then we don't. We're surprised that we cannot control what's going on, can't control others, we can barely control ourselves. So, Lord, we need you. We need to know that whatever battle we fight in our own selves or in our lives, that we are to rely upon you. And so, dear Lord, may we follow you, our good shepherd. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.